the Frontline Gaming Network presents the Kill Zone Podcast. The Kill Zone Podcast. With your hosts, Miranid 40K, Sheldon from Kill Team Stream, and Emmanuel from Strategic Advantage. Tournament news, tactics, and strategy. Tune in every week to hear real talk for competitive Kill Team. Get ready to enter the Kill Zone. Like the intro just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back to returning listeners and those of you new to the podcast. This is Beard in 40K. I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage. Hello. And the big TO in charge of many major U.S. Kill Team tournaments, Sheldon Steer, also known as Kill Team Street. Hey, everybody. We've got a great show for you today. Speaking of U.S. Kill Team tournaments, we're hot on the tails of the Las Vegas Open 2022. We recorded this prior to the event. We're going to go into LBO in detail in a future episode. Today, though, we're going to talk about how you can train for a competition by wearing a weighted gi. This is the art of giving yourself a disadvantage while practicing to make those tournament games that much easier. After that, we'll talk about the best ways to go about solving rules disputes at the table, whether it's at a casual game at your LGS or the top table at a major. So stay tuned because the Kill Zone podcast is coming your way right after we pay some bills with these messages. At Frontline Gaming, we make the best tabletop gaming mats in the universe. Our mats are durable, rollable, foldable, wipeable, and storable. Oh, and they look damn great, too. Join the thousands of tournament regulars and garage gamers who use our mats to bring their gaming surfaces to life. To ensure quality, Frontline Gaming mats are custom-made one at a time. Printed with high-quality ink, our immersive designs stay crisp and are available in a wide range of styles and sizes. So whether you're playing a war game or skirmish game, whether you're fighting over an alien tundra, fantastical forest, or real-world setting, there's a great-looking battlefield for you. Our gaming mats are printed on extremely durable neoprene backing, so they won't slide around the table, and they're thick enough to stay flat, protecting what's underneath and allowing for slight uneven surfaces. We know from experience that an easily portable gaming surface is just better. Every mat comes with a sturdy nylon zip-up bag for storage and transportation. Whether your next battle is in your home or at the local game store, you'll be able to unroll your FLG mat and get gaming right away. Our products are all made and tested by passionate gamers at Frontline Gaming HQ right here in the USA. It's time to take your battlefield to a new level. Frontline Gaming, champions of tabletop. Okay, so let's dive in. We've got some banter first. Emmanuel, what's going on in your life? Um, glowy paint is stressing me out. <laughs> I never thought I would be so stressed out to try and get orcs to glow under UV light, under black light. But ah, I got the good stuff. It finally came in the mail after having to order it on eBay from... Um, Maine somewhere, somewhere on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> finally got all of the Green Stuff World paint, and it's barely a glaze. So oh, really? at least it goes on smooth this time. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Last so. time it was the same issue or the uh, the opposite issue, right? Because <laughs> yes. it was chalky and thick. Yeah, it was chalky and thick. So in now order to make thin. it not chalky, I had to put it on thin. And now it's so thin that I'm trying to put it on globby <laughs> so that way I can be done sooner. Oh my gosh. I just can't win. Oh man. How about you, Sheldon? 
Uh, well, this week uh, I've been putting together some Gene Steeler Cult, your favorite, and uh, I've been uh, also uh, working on this podcast. I know this is the fourth episode, but uh, I've been doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, getting all that stuff together, and we should be publishing our first episode tomorrow, so <laughs> pretty hyped about that in the time scheme of things. I know this is like the fourth episode now, but that's the beauty of yeah, we editing. We just gave the listeners, we gave the listeners an, an like Infinity War type thing right there of like, wait, what's the timeline? You know, it's, it's the, the Spider-Man multiverse of podcasts right now. What about you, Chris? I have done very little hobbying. Um, I, I'm still very much working on, you know, what's next for the little bit of competitive stuff. Um, there are things that... I feel that I should be working on um, in terms of, of factions. I'd like to experiment with cult. I think that the Tau need a little bit more um, looking at uh, uh, stuff like that, you know, just so I can understand what's going on. Best way to beat something is to understand it yourself. And then there's my beloved Tyranids, right? Which, hey, get them finally painted, maybe. Play them in a <laughs> tournament, maybe. Uh, might be a little fun. Um, I, I honestly, I think that they can do it still. Um, I just don't know if I'm the player to do it. Uh, that's the, that's the, that's the, what is it? The dilemma of me and my nids, this, this edition, you know, I see it and it's just like, dude, these can, these can do it. But then I play and them and I'm like, I suck. Like I'm not <laughs> doing these guys justice. I'm not the pilot that they need, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, just working on getting some stuff built really. And is that largely because like your comfort zone where you find your style um, and where your strengths are as a pilot, as a player in Kill Team 2 just doesn't play into the strength of NIDS. Like you're you're a great swimmer, but this is cross-country skiing kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, NIDS especially, you know, they are a very melee type army if you mm-hmm. look at the heart of the swarm they've got some great shooting and things like that but at their heart the heart of the cards what they want is to go nom 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 and <laughs> i'm just traditionally a lot better with shooting positional aura stack type mm. teams you know so um i i love the team and i mess with them quite a lot because that's where my heart is in terms of what i think is the coolest but in terms of play style man there's just uh i'm a shooty guy i like shooting <laughs> I yeah, like that cheese. That's too bad that your uh, your baby faction didn't you didn't do you right that way. I uh, I remember in Kill Team 2018, um, a lot of uh, players who were big Orc fans went from the big boy swarm to start playing more elites, and then started to mix in a little bit of shooting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like we're pulling the we are pulling the orcs out of that comfort zone, and I never embraced that comfort zone because I never really enjoyed the shooting game mm-hmm. in uh, Kill Team 2018. And then I get dropped into that with my my baby faction getting such a great treatment <laughs> at the drop of the drop of the edition with commandos, and I was yeah. like, well, I guess I got to figure out shooting now. Um, right. it, it it takes work. Um, it was not fun to have to, to <laughs> learn how to be on the delivery end instead of just avoiding it on the receiving end for yes. an entire edition. Um, so it definitely did take work, but I, I even if you look at greenskins, they do have a fair bit of shooting options as well. So 
no matter no matter what, I wasn't gonna get away from it if I wanted to play uh, play Hork. So I, I had to put that time in. So I, I know what that's like about having to retrain the kind of tactical brain that you developed for an entire edition to work for your pet faction. It's not it's not easy. You just gotta do what a uh, manual does and uh, make Gene Steeler Pathfinders. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We've had this discussion, uh, I, I believe, in the past. I, I don't think I've said my idea on here, but uh, I've said it in other spaces. Um, it was going to be a Christmas gift for my good friend Alex, the other half of Strategic Advantage, but that's getting pushed back to a birthday gift for him. <laughs> and that's going to get pushed back maybe even further because I was going to start working on a bladed cog kill team for him to make ad mechie gene stealers. Nice. And then the cover of January White Dwarf comes out. It's like, well... I'm not going to build him a whole team before I know what uh, what the new one's going to be to see which one he's going to want to play, whether it's the <laughs> compendium still or whether he wants to play uh, the new and shiny. So that's been on hold, but uh, it, it can be done. Yeah, you got to make them so that they can be both <laughs> yeah. once it comes out. Well, I also love the idea of him also being able to use them as just regular Skitari, just have one bladed cog guy in a in a squad of 10 skitari <laughs> he should he should make like, it so yeah, that like the totally one <laughs> one guy starts in the beginning of the uh, game and then like slowly he adds them in to replace the other guys <laughs> <laughs> oh i like that i like that until like the end that. of the game it's all the uh, bladed cog guys and they're like wait what happened <laughs> that's really funny i like that idea a lot so what do you guys think? You want to talk about some weighted gi training? <laughs> Why didn't you dodge? His power yeah, level is 5,000! I, <laughs> I never... I grew up in the time for it. I never watched Dragon Ball. I know it's a Dragon Ball reference. <laughs> I just yes. couldn't get into a show called Dragon Balls. I was like, come <laughs> on, guys. The, I, the, the Z is not oh, its man. own letter there, right? It's, oh, we so, just lost half our subscriber base, didn't we? Well, 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 well. I, so we'll I, win them uh, back for I you. Don't totally worry. Missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed the whole Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z train um, as well. I grew up, you know, similar time. But, I did not. Um, I got <laughs> <laughs> I got back into it uh, with DBZ Abridged, which is a YouTube uh, series made by uh, Team Four Star. Um, and it's absolutely hilarious. You get all the major plot points. But then a friend of mine told me to go back and watch the original Dragon Ball um, mm -hmm. and not to do the dub, to do the sub, which is hard because I like to watch a lot of content while I paint. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty funny. It's it's almost <laughs> a comedy the way the way that the original Dragon Ball went. But uh, yeah, weighted gi, just like Goku training with something uh, that's holding him back. Yep. So, uh, you know, when I think of that, um, this, this kind of leads into the prep type things we've been talking about, right? Like mm -hmm. things that you can do to be a better player. Always um, be prepping. There you go. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, you know, what are some things that come to your minds in terms of weighted gi? Can we explain kind of what this is? Um, and then like just start maybe giving some examples for, for what people can do to put that on? Yeah, so I, uh, I got into this totally by accident with Kill Team 2018, this whole mentality of giving myself a disadvantage, like a self-imposed nerf almost. Um, we, we played a lot of narrative campaigns in my local uh, group. And in Kill Team 20, 
21, the current edition. Narrative's absolutely fantastic, easy to level up, and it doesn't really change your team composition much. But in Kill Team 2018, what would happen is your guys would go up in their points cost. And by going up in their points cost, if you were leveling up a guy, that means you could take less guys. And as an orc player, I needed my numbers. So I just opted, per the rules, you could choose not to level someone up. So I had people with like 10, 15 experience points <laughs> that were still level one. And I was just keeping my guys at level one saying, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll just play with uh, play with the same guys. And if anyone ever gave me gave me a problem about it, it's like, okay, well, I just disband my whole team and then I, I re-recruited a whole team. There, fine. They're all level one, zero XP. You happy now? So I had <laughs> in the back of my mind a way to reason around it and get around the rules if someone gave me a hard time. But what I found is that with everyone else getting more and more abilities and buffs and stronger, I was kind of getting left behind. And I decided to take that as it was and use that to my advantage and use that as my way to train for tournament play. Because as everyone else was getting more abilities and being tougher to kill and all that stuff, I was being forced to make tougher and tougher tactical decisions in order to keep keep up with everyone and uh that's where the whole concept kind of came to fruition for me yeah that's really interesting um you know uh, what do you think sheldon you have anything to say on that yeah the uh i remember back when um we were making the uh casual packet and uh i i was reaching out to people for some like uh uh, n- like narrative more kind of like casual missions and uh that was where i first learned about this whole tactic from you emmanuel and uh uh, you were bringing up like you know doing that, and I I I thought it was pretty genius. Essentially, you play um, you know like some weird missions or something like from like the narrative uh, missions in like the rule book that sort of thing. Or in this edition, you could do something from like Octarius or Chalnath, one of those specialty missions that they have in there. And uh, you know, one team is going to be way better suited like than the other team right off the bat, and you can kind of work yourself back from like a disadvantage right off the beginning and like train yourself to like work yourself out of these holes and stuff which makes you just better because you never know when you might get into one of those in like a a competitive game absolutely and it's kind of you know it's interesting because um every edition people the word power creep comes up right which is just the concept of we don't know maybe this doesn't even happen but uh there's a potential that as the edition goes on and things get more developed, things might get stronger or things that, you know, have recently come out might have a crazy power level. And maybe, you know, if you were not playing your final form list uh, and, and training and stuff like that, you are used to playing at a disadvantage. And so, hey, maybe you get to stick with your main faction, right? And uh, play play the bugs, which is what you should be playing um, just a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, something to that effect. You know, one of the things that I used to do uh, I didn't know it was, you know, weighted gi and stuff at the time, but uh, I remember for BAO prep a few years ago, what I started doing with the arena boards is I broke it into fours, just like quarters, and I would roll a D3. No, I'm sorry. I would roll it into, break it into fours, roll a D6. That's how many models I was allowed to have. And then oh, I would wow. roll a D3 per quarter and put models down there um, until I ran out. And um, I would be playing against a full enemy in sad hammer um and so my goal was actually very simple i would have a number that i needed right maybe four points maybe five points and so that's the, what i would try to achieve is a five point swing 
a four point swing, you know, something like that. And, and so the two ways that I was able to do that is I could score it or I could take it from them, right, and prevent it. Mm-hmm. So those were kind of two things that I would work on quite a bit, actually. Um, I just had the board set up and I'd come in, boom, 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 bang it out and, uh, you know, be doing that quite a bit. Um, with Death Watch and Tyranids there uh, for for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, that's a really creative way to do it. That's that's pretty interesting. You're so you're instead of because so here we're seeing two different ways to use missions as a way to get yourself um, a disadvantage. Either play a completely imbalanced mission like the narrative missions <laughs> that we have in the book. They're really fun, but they're not balanced. We, right. No one's gonna, no one's gonna try and die on that hill. I think everyone's in agreement there. <laughs> yeah, but playing with the, playing the side of that engagement that's at the disadvantage, or setting yourself up this kind of setup mini game like uh, like Chris just went through to just put yourself in a tournament situation at a disadvantage that way you're used to that tournament like objective the 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 terrain the um mission uh victory points all that kind of stuff you're used to working with those at a disadvantage as well those those are both really really cool ways to do it um and the one way to kind of apply my method of playing spec ops games but staying at a disadvantage is, I mean, you could technically just not level your guys, even if um, even if it's not for the reasons why I wasn't doing it back then, <laughs> out of pure bookkeeping laziness, but, um, or just level them up and not use their special abilities. You can choose not to use the reroll and just use your guys as they normally would while your opponent's getting all the extra CP and what have you. Or you can play with your spec op teams against other players that aren't in your spec op, let them get a boatload of extra CP. So that way they have five, six CP to start off the game. And then you just don't use your spec ops abilities. And then you're really having a tough time. I've played a few (laughs) games like that, Um, won those games, but it was, it was a nail biter. (laughs) First, I just gotta say, I am always in support of being lazy just in general (laughs) but um yeah i mean i think another like it's cool to sort of like give yourself like limitations and stuff but sometimes um you know we had a previous episode talking about net listing you can almost like net list for the worst lists you know like what lost a comp can i win with a with a with like the worst list you know something like that wow yeah (laughs) or even to to bump off that as people like to netlist they also like to pick up tactic tactics that they hear on the internet on discord on reddit or just seeing it being played whether they're watching a stream or something and the thing about it is that once you see like a really strong tactic and as a commando player i i have to talk about the dynamite and throwing the dynamite on the uh, (laughs) daca boy um that is something that's propelled a lot of a lot of or commandos players to top to top in high ranking um, positions in a lot of tournaments that we've been seeing throughout the first six months now we're almost at six mm-hmm. months um, of this edition and 
Firstly, I actually have never done it um, in a tournament setting except for once in a casual game. That's the only time I've ever done this uh, thing, specifically because of me giving myself a weighted gi, and I even do it in a tournament setting as well. I feel like a lot of people were prepared for that, so why not not why not take something that they're not prepared for? But then in addition to that, um, I found a lot of strengths in commandos that might not have been immediately apparent if you've been leaning on a powerful combination or play uh, for a lot of your success. So by omitting these power combos and power plays from my regular play, I'm able to play the scenario where you lose that key piece that allows you to have a significant boost in your faction's power and you're forced to make up for it with the rest of the strengths of your army but i've been doing that this whole time kind of thing yeah i think it's like useful in a couple ways because like one you're you're all of a sudden way stronger when you do play a tournament if you're prepping Mm -hmm. this way you know you're suddenly super good and then the other way is you're used to playing down so like if they get some wombo combo gotcha off or like oh my god he rolled six sixes (laughs) Um, and all of a sudden you're just like blown out of the water. Maybe you're not necessarily super blown out of the water. I was trying to think, you know, I think there's a number of ways that you could deliberately kind of put yourself at a disadvantage in training. Um, like, like if you can take three rail rifles, maybe you only play with one for a little bit. Right. Or like you could play, like we talked about earlier, um, off meta units or, you know, if there's this tactic, like last edition, uh, was only in death does duty end. Right. Like I think Mm -hmm. some people still just like cringed when that, that phrase was just said, um, or, or, you know, Necron reanimation protocols or something, right? Uh, you just woo. don't use that. I was like, mm-hmm. woo. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of kind of crazy. Um, one thing that I don't know if this counted as it, but I guess it does, um, if I think about it, is that I used to be looking at prep games um, to be trying to find, like, flex and build the roster. So, you know, uh, you, you only get 20 guys that you can do. If you've got a team that can swing a bunch of different ways and everything, a lot of times, you know, you don't get to have everything that you want. So in in these prep games, a lot of times I'd be trying these kind of weird units that are kind of in between. Um, and that's kind of a thing, too, that you can do, I think, um, where you're kind of you're testing for the real thing. But you you don't know, you know, necessarily, is this going to be amazing or not? Um, and it's it might not be on meta, right? Like sometimes there's this really good gun or really good weapon in a specific matchup. And guess what? You don't have the roster space to bring that. Mm. So sometimes it's just like, you don't get to play optimal that way anyway. And uh, bringing more than just the boys boss knob was completely not on meta in SEO 2019. And we also, how that worked out for me. (laughs) So playing with the off meta and practicing with the off meta, um, it's almost like, like when you see something performing really well before a big major and then you know you don't see it at the major it's because people are worried that others have prepared for that big gatekeeper at the major similarly if you're playing with a meta and only practicing with the meta team people have prepared for the meta team that you're bringing so by playing with an off meta team you might discover some tech like you're saying that's then gonna allow you to uh, that's then gonna allow you to be surprising. 
But yeah, I had a very similar experience um, prepping for the quarantined Nova thing, um, where I was actually prepping Gaunt Spam the whole time, and then all of a sudden, you know, went to the much stronger um, uh, Tau Drone Spam of the time, uh, that just did everything that that list, you know, wanted to be, but better. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, whoop, you know, these these drones, they, they made much better Hormigons. And so that was the thing, too, is people were like, wow, he's charging with drones, and all this stuff. It's like, yes, these are Tyranids. These, I'm playing them <laughs> as Tyranids. <laughs> You know, so yeah, it's just it's just a thing that it's worked. You know, Emmanuel just talked about how it worked for his uh, his uh, sons orcs at uh, or evil sons or whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, evil sons orcs at SoCal, and then we use that also for for Nova. That won me Nova, so it's just <laughs> like it's worked before, guys. Yeah, and sometimes you can like find out a trick that you never would have found out because you're doing this. Like uh, I played a game yesterday against Alec with my. Um, uh, veteran guard and one of the things that everyone's been kind of making fun of with the veteran guard is you want to take all the specialists right but i i was always looking at just the troopers because i was like oh man ga2 they're really cool like th- i could have them like moving around and doing all this stuff and then i realized like if you kind of like buff them up with like some hot shot last guns and then you give them the overcharged last gun like i i nuked the custodies with uh, with last gun fire which was like you know something nobody would expect even alec was like why don't you have any plasma on your list you know like, what are you doing here and like <laughs> you know it's just like every now and then doing the weighted gi approach you can actually find some brand new tactic and then no one's going to prepare for that you know what i mean <laughs> so do we have anything else uh you know to talk about in terms of uh weighted geese no no not really um other than my other final thing on this is how I accidentally nerfed myself. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned this on a previous uh, previous pod, but um, I had misread the shush tactic, the shh, commandos <laughs> tactic, thinking that it was an and clause, not an or clause. So cover or, no line of sight. Mm-hmm. So I was deploying very defensively, putting my barricades very defensively to make sure I could get those dashes, or sometimes placing my barricades in a way that I could dash to the barricade with the scouting option, and then still be out of line of sight and conceal, and then dash again. And then I reread it and realized that I was doing all that unnecessarily. So um, (laughs) you can even modify and change a tactic um, like that, or another example, the, the grenade uh, Pathfinder guy, you could just modify it for the game and just say, you know what, he only gets one of each grenade. Yeah. And m- really kind of train in those decisions of when those grenades, which grenade you're using is critically important because you're only getting one, and then it helps you recognize those situations better. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's talk about rules disputes now, because this is something, Ooh. the thing is, when people look about competitive kill team or competitive anything, um, there's this kind of stigma that goes on about, you know, uh, the type of person that might do that, perhaps, um, the kind of experience that they might have. And there are some kind of tools and tips and things like that, that, you know, experienced players have. Where it's like, we just don't see any of this kind of bad stuff. So what we were going to talk about today is the concept of settling rules disputes, how you would handle them if they did come up. Maybe, you know, some stories of of, uh, any that did, if something has come up. I've been very fortunate in my career not to have experienced that many. Um, But uh, I just think that it'd be a good uh, thing to, to hopefully get people starting in 
um, tournaments because, you know, there's no reason not to do it. Whether you're brand new or not, you know, get in there and start playing. It's a great time. It gets you rolling dice, gets you, no, there's no better teacher. Um, so yeah, if, if we can use this segment to kind of disarm some of that, as well as arm the player with some tools to go out and handle something, if it does come up, I think that'd be great. What do you think, Manuel? Well, I think, uh, I think we're very fortunate to have a major TO here to tell us what he would like players to do to manage rules disputes. So I think I want to uh, I think I want to give a lot of space to Sheldon to tell us what he thinks right off the bat. Well, I've definitely seen a lot of disputes, unlike you, Chris, but no. <laughs> um, uh, I've been called to many a table where there was just, um, you know, angry uh, disputes about Everything from, uh, you know, whether somebody could see somebody to whether or not, you know, uh, a sign falling onto a table meant that we had to restart a whole game. <laughs> uh, irreparable game state, Sheldon. That's our <laughs> word of the day, kid. Irreparable game state. But, you know, I think when it comes to, like, any rules dispute, like, if you're at an event, it's really easy to just call me over or call over the TO of the event, you know, have him kind of be the 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 say in the matter but if you're at your you know uh lgs or you don't have or you're playing at home you might not have someone there to just call over uh in those cases you know i mean the book uh might not be the clearest written thing in the world let's just be real <laughs> it's uh it's there's there's some things in there that can be kind of up to interpretation and um you know you got to respect the fact that your um the person that you're playing with might have a different interpretation than you and you know when it comes to the rules um you know you can read it read every single uh, you know attached rule and still have a different opinion and um when it comes to those kind of things like you still have something in the rules you can roll off you know sometimes the best way to handle rules dispute is just to roll some more dice you know you know four five six it's you one two three it's me you know that sort of thing but um you know uh when it comes to like the actual rules text you know when whenever i've seen a rules dispute no matter how heated it got on either side like it's it's really been coming from a good place like it's it's people aren't trying to like dispute the rules because they're trying to get some crazy advantage most of the time. It's usually they really do have a different opinion about how a rule should be interpreted. And when, you know, you really kind of empathize with the person that might be disputing something, you can kind of see it from their perspective. Yeah. I, I think just to book bookend a little bit of what you're saying about just the intent of a rule of what a disagreement might be rooted in is that most players, the vast majority, are going to be coming to the game to play it the way that they feel is accurate. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly rare that you're going to get someone that's going to try and pull a sneaky on you, right? So the important thing is to remember that everyone wants to play well and play accurate, and people want to win too, but it's so critical just to stay polite. There's, in the stressful moments, the certain words certain body language can always set off an appointment if you uh, set off your opponent if you respond or approach a dispute in a certain way but having things in your vocabulary vocabulary like 
Um, as, as I recall, I think it might work like this. Or saying things like, huh, I haven't <laughs> thought about it this way, but let's see what the book says. And, and Or like, oh, let's just confirm. Even if you both have simple things like that that are just a very polite way of just introducing a disagreement without saying, you can't do that. Like the, the <laughs> moment you kind of meet meet with that type of energy, you get met with defensiveness and then it, it it's not going to end well instead of just saying, huh, let's see what the book says. Yeah, I think that's a good disarm because a lot of times what is actually happening with the rules dispute is somebody has defaulted to the grossest possible interpretation that helps them, <laughs> right? And so somebody actually, you know, gets a little heated off of that. They're like, dude, you're trying to to be that, like, that's dirty. You know what I mean? So it's not even necessarily about you, maybe. It's like the rule itself could be a contentious thing that just draws out heat. And then if, if you, you know, hard, fast, boom, you know, like, no, no, this is, uh, it's got to be this way, blah, blah, blah. Um, that can kind of escalate things a little bit. So, you know, maybe just don't, first of all, default to the grossest possible interpretation that it can be for yourself, because a lot of rules have these little edge case interactions of like, but what if I do this and this? And then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> nuclear explosion in the background, um, you know, of, of interaction. And it might not even work that way, but you see some people like forcefully like, no, this is how it is, you know, and, and uh, they don't want to budge off that afterwards because they built this whole team off of how they think it works versus how it might actually work, which could be a segment for a uh, future future uh, podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> do you have anything to say on that, Ems? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that your best friend in any of these situations is always going to be the core manual if if you have uh, time to access it during the during a tournament, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's very, very important to go through this rules checking exercise. And anytime you're playing or thinking about the game, as a lot of us kill team players tend to think about the game, sometimes more than we play it, honestly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, anytime you have the tiniest shade of a doubt of what a rule is supposed to be or how an interaction is supposed to play out, go through the exercise of looking it up. You're going to get a lot more familiar with the core manual. You're going to get a lot more familiar with the exercise of reading these words. And, and to the credit of the rules writer for this edition, rules writers and the team and all the editors for this edition, it's a lot more ironclad. It's not perfect. Nothing is. Can't expect perfection. But it's a lot more ironclad than Kill Team 2018. Yeah. But in order to achieve that, it's a lot more legalese written. So mm -hmm. it can be tough to go through the rules and on just a single read through, immediately grasp what the intent of the rule is supposed to be and what the rules as written interpretation is. So by going through this exercise, you're getting used to their verbiage, you're getting used to their their vocabulary and the, the way that they structure their rules. And they, they tend to follow a kind of a little bit of a formula. So by going through this exercise, it'll be easier for you to explain how that interaction should be to someone who might not have gotten it exactly as you think it should be. Absolutely. And you know, a, a good thing that helps with all of that is just knowing the rules well yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You wanna know them well enough to say how it is and, and do that preemptively, you know? Um, 
if you like sometimes i watch back a stream game or something to that effect and you hear me saying what the opponent's possibilities are a lot of times and that mm. opens it up for if there's going to be a disagreement let this happen now before he's moved a guy and we can't remember where <laughs> it is and, and things like that like the thing with rules disputes is they can snowball right yeah and so that's kind of that's kind of the thing is like you're, you're saying what the possibilities are you're getting this out ahead of time if there's an issue you've said it before anything's been touched before anything was rolled and you know you're you're just better off that way yeah um it's it's almost like you're looking at my show notes, Chris. That's exactly <laughs> one of the points I wanted to make as well. Um, it's really up to your discretion, assuming that you're, let's set up the scenario, um, assuming your opponent made an error in their interpretation of the rules, it's up to your discretion whether that gets walked back in most situations. A lot of the times, these get picked up immediately, right? And there's no change in the board state, et cetera, et cetera. But if enough has happened or if enough dice have been rolled where the minor rules dispute might not have really affected their fate, like say they thought they had a re-roll, but they didn't. Something sim simple like that. And they rolled five dice and they only got one hit. If they say it's like, oh, I thought I had a reroll, I wouldn't have made that. It's like, well, you're saying that after you know that you rolled one out of five hits, yeah. one reroll is not going to make that much of a difference here. And it, 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 you have to go on good faith that both players want to play their best game. And it's up to the person who did not make the mistake, whether they allow the walk back or not. I think that's fair. And I think Sheldon, let me know if I'm wrong here. Cause you were the, you'd be the one that would come, come <laughs> to the table when the opponent says like, no, I want to, I want to roll back. Like I, for my games, at least I generally default to just, um, you know, if it's the opponent, I almost always like let them walk things back be, like it to, a, you know, to a reasonable extent. But then for myself, I always hold myself account. Like, Oh, well, it's gone now. The opportunity's gone. I left like <laughs> it's it's flown in the wind. I could have gotten five fives maybe, but you know we'll never know, kind of thing. Um, but you know, um, yeah, but 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 in that you d you did kind of hold yourself to that onus though. If I'm reading between the lines, saying that if it's your opponent, you allow them to walk it back most of the time. So kind of that 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 decision on whether the walk back happens usually comes from the person across the table, not the person that made the error. Agreed. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think um, two things on kind of what's been said so far. Um, I think you made a very good point um, that, you know, I would phrase it as there's a limited time for correction. Because, like, mm. I see streams, right? I'll watch these playback streams, uh, you know, games that happen. And you'll see people freaking out about something, insisting on maybe a TO fix for something that just happened on the board that is, is you know, like, oh, he forgot to give himself the plus one. Or, oh, he forgot he gets to reroll this or something like that. Um, but the thing about that, for people, you know, the, to the uninitiated, it seems like it's possible, but the ship has sailed after a mm -hmm. very quick point. And it can be very hard to go back now multiple movements and models and stuff. So it's like, the thing that bothers me that I see sometimes is like, um, if people have lost a game, and then they want to go back and say, oh, in turn two, there was this thing, you know, <laughs> we should replay the game or something like that. It's like, no, that doesn't doesn't work that way and you shouldn't ask that of your opponent you know <laughs> mm -hmm. i've seen that happen I, i've literally seen an entire game replayed 
but um, <laughs> I just wanted to say that um, it happens a lot. Actually, <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. If it's not like a major that has time and all that stuff, it happens quite a bit. Yeah, but you know, when it comes to that sort of stuff, I definitely think that like when you have uh, a rules dispute like that, um, like we're not playing some super ultra hyper competitive like millions of dollars are on the line game we're like okay we're like you know some of these games like that i've pl- like played or seen played it's like to the point of like the rules are if you like let go your hand you're done like you can't walk back anything <laughs> you've done like once you've moved the model yeah. it's done like that is yeah the chess that's yeah, the don't law don't take your finger off <laughs> yeah or, or even worse like i've you touch the model you have to do something with it like yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. seen that too. Nobody yeah. plays yeah. that way. For those of you listening, yes. that is not something you ever <laughs> agree to, to play by. Nobody not does that. So, so we don't really that have that, on that in kill team, yes, right? That's, but, that, yeah. is, that is not a kill team thing. But yeah, so <laughs> I had the, you know, the two points circling back. First thing is, like I was saying, limited time for mm-hmm. correction. Don't freak out stream because if you're insisting on Sheldon coming over, these guys, there's a lag on stream, things like that. There's a lag before he sees your comment or something like that. If he comes over now, it's a different round maybe. It's, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. It can be unsavable. So it's best to just let not distract these guys who have the pressure of being on stream, sweating from the lights. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, playing the hardest game they've ever played, something like that. They're also maybe three, four games deep at that point by the time you're watching that. And you might not, you know, see it. Uh, you're not necessarily in their shoes and seeing, holy crap, he's exhausted right now. He's been in quarantine for two years. He hasn't stand, you know, had to stand <laughs> this long in two years. Um, you know, but also one of the things that I would like to say, point number two, uh, personally, to avoid rules disputes, I tend to allow more than I probably should for the simple sake of time. Um, mm. You need round four. And that just doesn't happen if you're going to him and ha about every single thing, argue about every single thing, you know, things of that nature. So it's kind of like, just just get it out. You know what I mean? Like if somebody has something that's kind of a off thing, a lot of times I'm like, okay, go for it. You know, if it's iffy or something like that, it's like, let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because I'm trying to play to time. I need that round four. I've played enough majors to know if I don't get round fours, I don't win this even with wins, <laughs> you know? Um, You can go fairly undefeated, but then it's like, okay, if you had a 10-point win and somebody else just had a 16-point loss, you are so close to being out of that tournament. Because if you get a tie, you get a loss, something like that, you're just not making that top eight cut. So it's like, don't argue, man. Just get your your rounds. Get it done. Like, yep, okay, he wants to do that. Go for it, buddy. No problem. Um, And a lot of times it's kind of like, you know what? If you're okay with that, do you mind if I take back this? You can use that yourself even um, as a as a thing that kind of builds a relationship in the game and you're mutually helping each other now through falling down this staircase together that has happened. <laughs> Maybe there's been multiple mistakes um, that you can kind of salvage by being a nice guy and allowing them something. You know, you can say like, look, okay, yes, totally fine with that. I really messed up here. Is it okay if I just like <laughs> turn his tail a quarter inch so it's not sticking straight out because you know you're moving fast and and progress is better than perfection in the tournament scene you've got to get stuff done i see you know people playing these uh some of these other games that they're just like taking two hours to play 
And it's like, no, a lot of times it's better to just be forcing models out. Yes, you're getting blown up, but you're scoring those points. Eh, buzzer, game <laughs> over, you won. Um, you know, and you weren't playing the exact cleanest. Sometimes that's how it is, guys. As weird as it is, because we think, oh, competitive, top, precision. In the real life world, that is not necessarily what wins you tournaments. It's about like having flow plans, thinking things out, letting things go that seem kind of weird, keeping your mental load down, not getting bogged down and tilted emotionally off of something that just happened, something somebody said, something that's going on, how loud this guy is at the other table, things of that nature. <laughs> so hope that that helps you. I just wanted to also say one final thing that the uh, we have a really great resource in our community for rules disputes too. like if you're not in the middle of like a, a heated tournament, you know, and you have some sort of dispute at home or something like that, what we can do as a community is learn off of these things. So, if, you know, if, if you get on the discords, you can like uh, ask people in some of the rules question uh, uh, sections of some of these like, you know, kill team discords or, you know, if you can't find any of that, you know, you can always email me killteamstream at gmail.com and I'll I'll help you figure out the answer to that question. I'll I'll pour through all those books and like figure out that <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll do the lawyerese uh, manipulation and figure out whether or not your guy is uh, you know a circle or a square, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and you know, just and then we can build on that as a community, and then those rules disputes happen less once there are like established answers for those things that we've all kind of agreed to in our community. And I think that's that's the one way that we did it last edition to kind of build on all these questions that people kept asking to like slowly uh, like almost create like a Bible of all the you know contentious i called them the contentious questions you know things that really were like written kind of funny that could be interpreted in a couple different ways you know we we got an answer as a community and we figured it out together you know and there's lots of resources for you guys if you're playing at home or you know you you some, something comes up and you want to like remember that for later you know like it helps everybody to share that with everybody in the community yeah and if we're doing final remarks i'll i'll give mine too um, remember, this game is new. Um, it's still new, and much unlike uh, Kill Team 2018, it's continuously becoming new. We get new releases, we get new box, the release schedules are so much different than what we're used to, so it's, it's a moving target to stay on top of these rules. So knowing that, it's, it's okay to make mistakes, and People shouldn't be shamed or made to feel bad if they made a mistake. And it's okay for you to make mistakes too. So my the most important things I can say is stay curious, always be looking for the answer. And number two, be okay with being wrong because we all have been wrong. And if you're okay with being wrong and if everyone's okay with being wrong, then everyone's happy. <laughs> um, the um, One of the uh, presenters for... Um, um, not Teen Titans. What? Not Tabletop Titans. Tabletop Tactics. The British guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, his name was Mr. Bone. Um, he he's no longer um one of the presenters there. But he said something over a year ago that's resonated with me, and I say it all the time. I love being wrong because it means I learned something. 
go yeah. into it. Go into any dispute like that and say, hey, if I'm wrong, hey, I learned something. Yeah, and then I just want to add number four. Share it with everybody when you're wrong because it helps, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. So I think that's going to be it for us tonight. Those of you listening, we thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. I have been Chris, also known as Beerinid in the Kill Team community. You can find me at Beerinid40k at YouTube.com. And I'm Emmanuel. You can find me and my other half at Strategic Advantage on YouTube. And you can find my little orcses on Instagram at eman.paints. And I'm Sheldon. And you can find me at killteamstream.com and all of the Kill Team Stream associated social media. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.